0: there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is, is Snakebird. Snake Bird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the cast. In today's profile episode, we come face to face, without getting too close, to a man who seemed to have it all except the one thing that he needed most, Healing.
1: So I have to ask, Stephen, who are we profiling today? Today's profile is the character of Naaman. And Naaman is one of those characters in the Old Testament that will probably really surprise you if you're not already familiar with him. You know, sometimes we can be reading the Old Testament, and depending on the portion you're at, you can get a little... Tempting to be bored, you know mm-hmm. But this is not one of those portions at all Because the story of Naaman, it has a little Bit of everything going on And we're going to see that as the story unfolds <laughs> Are you saying that we're Naaman Dropping today? <laughs> ah, I
0: should have thought of it first Dude, every time we do this I come up with a really cheesy dad joke On you're the fly. A, you're a
1: master at it, Josh Oh my gosh. You really are, and you come up With them on the fly. I, I mean, we'll it... be
0: eating Lunch and Josh will do this. My wife's Eyes are constantly rolled back
1: in her. How about becoming conditioned?
0: Don't get stuck like that.
1: (laughs) That's great. Yeah, so it is Naaman. It is Naaman. Joshua, what do we know about Naaman? Well, he's the commander
0: of the army of one of the enemies of Israel and Judah, and he's got kind of an interesting thing going on that we don't often see somebody in his position of power having.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, he he has leprosy. We're gonna find that. <laughs> we out. can just say it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, and I was gonna just mention a few things to set the scene as well. Yeah, um, Naaman he's found in Second Kings chapter five. Uh, this whole era sits somewhere around 849 BC. Uh, it'd be the time that Elisha was prophet, mm-hmm. and we're gonna see his appearance in the story as well. Um, and if you'll remember our Jehu episode, that was roughly nine or ten years after our character Naaman here. Okay. Which I found kind of interesting because both Jehu and Naaman were commanders of armies. They both interacted with Elijah, who yeah. was a prophet. Um, it seems even army commanders were just a part of Elisha's clientele in those times. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Saw so a little bit of everybody. Yeah. But, um yeah, like you said, a commander of the army who rivaled Israel. Um had leprosy, which is just kind of strange. And um, we see that he serves the king of Aram, right, Josh? Yes. Which is Syria. Like, some translations say king of Syria, mm-hmm. some say Aram, but uh, Aram was the Hebrew's designated word for the uh, the land that jetted up to about 2,000 feet above sea level, just past the Jordan River, mm-hmm. uh, northeast of Palestine. So that was the region of Naaman. Yes. Yes. And and the Bible
0: refers to him as a great and honorable man and even says that he was a mighty man of valor. Yeah. And I even found this, um, that according to Jewish legends, they say that he was the one who shot the arrow that killed Ahab.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I hadn't heard that.
0: Because it said that a random archer drew his bow back. And, and shot an arrow that hit, um, Ahab right between the slats of his armor. And as the legend goes, it it was was our boy Naaman. Naaman. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I just, I mean, again, one of those things where you're like, oh, wow. I never even heard that before.
1: That's pretty cool. Um, Well, I don't have a lot more prep because I just kind of get into the story. Josh, should we just jump right in? Or do you want to do any more prep work before we get into the story? I
0: just want to say a little bit more about leprosy. Yeah, do it. Because he had a lot going for him, but what he had against him was devastating. He was a leper, which meant that he had a horrible, incurable disease that would slowly result in his death. No matter how good and successful everything was in his life, he was a leper. Yeah. And he was defined by that. This disease was the most loathsome and humiliating thing that a human being could have during this time. Yeah. And, um, Uh, Just to go over ancient leprosy, which I guess could be construed as different than modern leprosy. Um, Ancient leprosy began as small red spots on the skin. Before too long, the spots got bigger, and then they started to turn white with sort of a shiny or scaly appearance. Pretty soon, the spots spread all over the whole body, and the hair begins to fall out, first from the head and even from the eyebrows, kind of like alopecia. As things get worse, fingernails and toenails become loose. They start to rot and eventually fall off. Then the joints of fingers and toes begins to rot and fall off piece by piece. Gums begin to shrink until they can't hold the teeth anymore. So each of them is lost. Leprosy keeps eating away at your face until literally the nose, the platelet, and even the eyes rot, and the victim wastes away until Good death. Nice.
1: Yeah. Sounds like The Walking Dead. It does. That's crazy. Did
0: you ever see the movie uh, Kingdom of Heaven with, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, our boy Legolas, (laughs) Orlando Bloom? uh, The king of Jerusalem at the time, uh, he had leprosy, and I remember he wore this mask until... I don't know if it was in the regular cut or the director's cut. He took it off and his like nose was missing. And you're like, oh, you know,
1: <laughs> but he had leprosy. And, and that also reminds me of the father of Robert, the Bruce and Braveheart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude. Very isolating thing. <laughs> I'm having a movie weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know what I'm watching. After exactly. And,
0: and we don't know how far his condition had progressed. But yeah, we do know that this was something that just I mean, I think. Every waking moment of his life, this was on his mind. Yeah,
1: it would have had to have been. Yeah. Because that that was one of those things that it uh, didn't matter if you were pagan or Jewish or whatever. If people saw you coming, because yeah, to my knowledge, this was very contagious type of thing. Yes. So it, you have to be away from people they don't want you near them mm-hmm. which, which is in itself kind of a pondering thing that he was a commander yeah. of an army. Yeah. He had some interactions with the king and all of that.
0: So. Yeah which there's things that go on later that imply how much people like him and how much they respect him. Yeah. And so I mean he must have had one of those magnetic personalities or some sort of thing going for him to be able to maintain this position because. Yeah. It's well of... he could have established Established all that before he got leprosy. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I couldn't think of like uh, Monty Python where it's like, it's just a flesh wound. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Up by Chindy you know, but it's like you kind of pull him aside and you're like, I I, I think we're going to have to ask you to sit this one out. You yeah. know, maybe you retire, but yeah. maybe he did develop leprosy in the line of duty and they are like, well,
1: He was already a renowned, Mm -hmm. you know, character in the.
0: Oh, that sounds so much like a movie where you know he gets up close to somebody and the guy rips off his mask and he's like he's like coughing on him (laughs) and then then he's like, "You've killed me, but I've infected you. You'll die a slower death than I will now."
1: Oh mercy! Yeah, sounds like Walking Dead too. (laughs) There you,
0: dude. It's I'm always these things are in my head.
1: Yeah, it, it was a, a a terrible disease to have. Yes, and um, I say we just hop on into First Kings five. What do you say, Josh? Let's get a hopping. All right, uh, let's hop to verse one. <laughs> now, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man in the view of his master, and eminent because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but afflicted with leprosy. Now the Arameans. Yeah, I said that right. The Armeans <laughs> had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, The girl who was from the land of Israel spoke such and such. The king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. So we see several things going on here, don't we, Josh? Yes. Um, I feel like Naaman, he's, like we said, he's this uh, bigger-than-life type of action hero because we are told he's a valiant warrior, Mm -hmm. a commander of the army, a king looked very favorable on this guy. And I actually first pictured him in my mind another movie as achilles uh who brad pitt played in that movie troy yes just this total yeah. warrior you know yeah. that everyone just looked up to yeah and, and uh I, I was trying to wrap my head around just the whole thing with him having the leprosy but i we already discussed that maybe it was before uh, he got it or whatever but they really looked up to him
0: hmm yeah and and he's married, you know yeah, and, and yeah. he's victorious in a bunch of different things and and then it says that he's even gone out and kind of come into Israel off the offskirts and just raided uh towns and everything and taken captives
1: yeah of of Israel. Mm-hmm. Who, the servant girl's in his house. Yes, and she's all like, "You should go back to Israel, the place you just raided." Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. Which she's one of the unsung heroes of the Bible. You know? Yeah, just,
1: true. She yeah. doesn't get a
0: lot of screen time. We don't really even know her name.
1: We won't be doing a profile on her. Probably. No, uh, that unfortunately
0: <laughs> she's got one verse. Yeah, but it's really interesting. Just like even her faith of hearing about Elisha and being able to just refer to that, because when she says if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And you would think as maybe a captive of, you know, Israel that she might be like, I hope he dies from his leprosy. Right. But all of a sudden she's like, I wish he could be cured. Yeah. And so it makes you wonder if she's treated well. And if it's one of those things where um, she's like, man, he's a good man. He's taking, at least he's taking care of me, even though, I I've been a captive from my home
1: and her presence of being one of God's people might've been like a a small seed planted into the character of God's people, which later might come into play. Yeah.
0: And for those potential or aspiring screenwriters out there, this is one of those characters that gets the ball rolling because otherwise his story ends with him dying of
1: leprosy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's true. Yeah. So, um, He hears this from from his wife who tells him she heard the servant girl say it. And he he goes to the king of Aram and tells him, Hey, this girl, this slave girl that we captured from Israel uh, said, Our rivals across the river have a prophet who can heal me. Can I I go to this guy? And uh, the king says, Sure.
0: Yes. Yeah. And um, (laughs) next thing you know, he uh, sends this letter and it goes to the king of Israel it says, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? <laughs> can, can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with
1: me? Like <laughs> Real confession here. When I first read this, the first image that came in my head Was Admiral Ackbar? It's a trap! Oh, (laughs) that's awesome! Yeah, (laughs) that's almost like the king is like, "Oh, it's not right."
0: Yeah, I don't know why, but I picture the king as Michael Scott. Oh, that's going like what? What is? What does he want me to do? Like,
1: on one of his one of his tantrums?
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, no, no. You know. Yeah,
1: that's hilarious. Because
0: he does, to a degree, feel like this is a lose lose situation. Yeah. Because it's like. I can't heal him. And then when I say I can't heal him, then it gives them more of an opportunity to say, well, we're going to come and fight you or wipe you out.
1: Yeah. And it naturally, it looks very suspicious waltzing into the king, uh, you know, in their enemies. Yeah. And he he takes it as, as kind of almost an insult with extreme caution, just because mm-hmm. of the whole way it's set up. Yes. And um, he's he's so distraught by the whole thing, he ends up tearing his clothes, which yes. in ancient times, this is more than a throwing a royal fit, so mm-hmm. they say. Yeah. Um, it, it's a real distraught state that he's in. Yes, yeah. And I'll mention here that um, it, it looks to be possibly Joram, who is king in this Mm. scene. Uh, I know the chapter doesn't actually mention the king by name, but the timeline kind of looked like Joram. And if you'll remember from our Jehu episode, King Joram came from a home that did not serve God properly. Yes. Um, Some of the commentators I saw suggested that maybe Joram was so disconnected from the prophet in his own land, Elisha, that he didn't even consider that he had the God of Israel working through that prophet Mm. um, who could have healed leprosy. I don't know that for sure, but... But this um, era of kings, whether before or after Joram, all had bad track records when it came to following God with their whole heart. So it would make it would make some sense that maybe when they saw them coming to him from this, they instantly thought it was a trap or, or some kind of poking them to... to um, act back at them because he didn't even consider the fact that he had an acting prophet that yes. literally had the power of God. Yeah. Because they were so disconnected.
0: I came across that too. Did you? So yeah, that instigation type factor of yeah. Joram who didn't have a foundation of faith in any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah. And I mean Elisha gets word that he tore his clothes and that that's exactly who presents themselves to the to the king next, mm-hmm. isn't it, Josh?
0: Yes. Yeah, and I, I appreciate, again, that a lot of times Elisha is just sending messengers. He's not necessarily showing up in person. So he right. sends a messenger that says, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Hint, hint, and a god in Israel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. that seems like that's the implication.
1: Well, that's funny you mentioned messengers, because he did the same thing with Jehu. Mm-hmm. He sent... A messenger oh, yeah. to him too. Yeah, that
0: young prophet. Yeah. Hey, what did somebody say
1: anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's. I just came to my mind. That's right. But um, yeah. Let's. Should we go ahead and read uh, starting at verse eight, Josh? Please pick up the story. Okay. Now it happened when Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent word to the king saying, "Why did you tear your clothes? Just have him come to me, and he shall learn that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the doorway of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he certainly would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the sight <laughs> and cure the leprosy. Are Abana... I'm going to say these wrong, probably. Are Abana and... Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, not better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. So he he throws a little tantrum of his own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hilarious because he's just like, again, a messenger. Uh, Elisha's like, oh, just go tell him this. Yeah.
1: Uh, Do you know who I
0: am? Yeah. Yeah. I've come all
1: this way. I might be a leper, but I'm a commander, dadgummit. Yeah. Yeah. I deserve some respect. Yeah. Which he probably was very accustomed to, uh, to a degree in his own land. Yeah.
0: And I love the description that it's like, I thought he would come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord, his God and wave his hand yeah. over me. Yeah, it, all,
1: it sounds very, it sounds like the tone of that for yes. sure. It's so hilarious when yeah. you read it. It's, it's a total, This is not how I thought this was going to go. I was expecting Gandalf and I got Frodo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got Samwise. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, the gardener. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And and um, I don't know if you've looked into those uh, Abana or Farpar, <laughs> the rivers he references. No. So I was reading today that both those rivers were... Um, kind of like luxury <laughs> rivers, like, like... resort rivers? Almost, yeah. Very clear waters. And uh, on each side, they had really nice things growing, like orchards or cultivating fields, things like that. Gotcha. Stuff that would make it obvious that these were very um, fruitful rivers. It
1: was the picturesque landscape yes, that yes, he exactly. imagined. Yes,
0: exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like beautiful water. Yeah. Whereas the Jordan River...
1: Kind of muddy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I thinking, mean, if that land jetted 2,000 feet above sea level on the other side, it had a lot of downhill garbage flowing yeah, down to it.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of how to best put it. It's it's like Austin versus Dallas. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just playing. Um, it's
1: like out of the all the oceans it was the dirty third it's the
0: pacific versus the gulf of mexico (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've always heard it called the dirty third
0: oh okay (laughs) yeah um no, these these rivers apparently were really nice. Um, and so the Jordan River was, was kind of considered gross and, and muddy and, and not as pretty.
1: Yeah. And you know, I do think he's traveled a long way to mm-hmm. Israel. He's probably very uncomfortable. And yeah, ju- just sets him off that Elijah doesn't come out and do this extravagant ritual to heal him. Yeah. Uh, he sends a messenger and he's like, I've come all this way. I'm probably itching up a storm, you know, with his leprosy and all
0: that. Yeah, it might have been a really uncomfortable trip and i think if you're getting your hopes up and you're like okay this could happen yeah you're probably um thinking of all the ways it's going to go as you're on your way like i'm gonna get there and there's gonna be this awesome thing and he's gonna come out and he's gonna say like some kind of enchantment and the next thing i know i'm just gonna look down and i'm healed yeah you know and then all of a sudden his expectations are just completely subverted
1: but he has he has some wise servants with him. Yes, and uh, they talk some sense. In uh, verse thirteen, do you want to read it, Josh? I can.
0: Okay. Yeah. Naaman's servants went to him and said, "My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed?" And um, I'm going to stop right there before we continue. Somebody pointed out that this is not typically the way that a servant would talk to a master. So again, it's showing that that maybe because of the nature of who Naaman was, that he had a pretty good relationship with him, oh, that yeah. they could even speak into his life. Because once again, yeah. you have the little servant girl who kind of sets this whole thing in motion. That's right. Here, if they don't intervene, he doesn't happen to get this healing.
1: It's a reoccurring character of Naaman's. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really neat that um, my father, uh, the word that they use in the the Hebrew version is just something that's not typically uh, associated with the way that a servant would talk to a master.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in verse 14, we see that he goes down and he dips himself. Well, I'll just go ahead and read it. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times in accordance with the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So what do you know? He's wow. healed now. Yeah. He just did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And from what I read, it was a 25-mile trip from where Elisha's house was what to get trek. to the Jordan. Yeah. That's crazy. So he had to go 25 more miles to get to the Jordan. And then it says that he comes back. So he had to come 25 yeah. miles back. But can you imagine what that return journey was like? Oh, yeah. And um I just the it, the the fact that this is like the flesh of a young child, you know, man flesh, you know, yeah. back, back to the Lord of the Rings. But no, I think it's really interesting because I just we've been around some babies lately, yeah. And people pick up babies and they're just like, oh, their skin. I just want it and smell the baby. Smell you know, the feet. yeah.
1: <laughs> Women do that. I've seen it many a time.
0: But I was thinking of like <laughs> sometimes you know our adult skin it, it it starts to get pretty scaly. I just yeah. I think it's really. Neat that the bible talks about like how his restoration was to the point where i mean purity yes exactly yeah yeah and and who knows how far his condition had progressed maybe there was even like some i don't know some pieces restored or something yeah no kidding i, I don't know
1: yeah it doesn't <laughs> yeah. say that it says he's fully restored mm-hmm. like you said like yeah maybe yeah that's awesome so yeah but we And we see that he starts to develop a, um, a, a heart of gratefulness mm-hmm. on this return back, because he comes all the way back. Um, I think it's best said right there in Scripture, starting in verse 15. Then he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant now. But he said, As surely as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will accept nothing. And he urged him to accept it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering nor a sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. So this is one of the coolest parts of the story to me. And the first reason is because Naaman becomes a believer. Mm -hmm. Um, I I believe that. I know we're going to get into a little bit of commentators that, that think a few different ways about how much of that might be true or not. But I believe that he becomes a believer here. I think it's pretty clearly stated But he he makes this public confession and instantly has this urge to give back to God Mm. through offering gifts to Elijah. And of of course, Elisha refuses it all, giving the glory to God alone. And um, Naaman's next response is, well, Elisha, you might not take these physical gifts that i brought, but that's not going to stop me from giving my worship. Mm. And Naaman requests enough dirt for the two mules to carry all the way back to Syria so that he can offer sacrifice on the soil that represented the true God. He was no longer offering sacrifices to the gods he had grown up with. And there's actually some pretty deep rabbit holes that this scene could take us down as far as the deeper reasons this dirt he requested was so important. Perhaps we could do a weird in the word on it sometime. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool in in my uh, thinking. But um, any way you slice it, Naaman was making a statement of dedicated belief, asking for this dirt. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool part of the story.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I started to look at the dirt, and I I pondered it for quite a while.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I, I read, this is one of those things, because even the Unger's Bible Dictionary, it says this is a difficult thing to understand. Okay. And they kind of dodge it. And a lot of there's a lot of mixed thoughts on what this actually means. But um, I, I think if you want to put it in its simplest form, he's wanting to sacrifice on God's soil. Mm-hmm. But Or what did you find, Josh? That. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I also thought, like, how funny is it that just – Two or three verses earlier, he's like, look at the rivers in Damascus compared to this muddy Jordan River. And now he's like, can I have some dirt from this country, Yeah, from God's country, basically? Yeah. You know, and he's like, let me take it back on my mules, please. Because he
1: recognized what it really represented.
0: Yeah. And it just shows the total paradigm shift of his whole thinking of going now. I know that Elohim... You know, he's the Lord God, not Baal or uh, the other, the pomegranate man who we're going to talk about. Not these
1: other territories that that dirt represents something else. Yes. Yeah. Which is part of the rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a really cool scene and. Just maybe, keep your eyes open for a weird in the word on that in the future. Yeah, I hope we do. That's that's uh, one of them that gets my juices going. You kind of piqued my interest even more. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. But let's get back to uh, to verses eighteen and nineteen, and we'll uh, we'll get back in the story regarding this matter. May the Lord forgive your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow in the house of Rimmon, when I bow down in the house of Rimmon, may the Lord please forgive your servant in this matter. He said to him, go in peace. So he went some distance from him. And at this point, I would like to say that I think Naaman is already thinking about the costs of being a believer. Mm. Uh, remember in Luke fourteen twenty eight, Jesus urges people to count the cost before following him. Uh, Naaman starts counting the cost before even heading back to Syria. In this question, he's asking Elisha, and it would be at this point I'd like to mention that I think this is a very early look into the idea that we're saved by grace through faith. Mm. Um, Naaman is concerned that God will be offended with his actions and participating in this pagan ritual with the king back home. And it has this feel of like, listen, my heart is fully committed to the true God. I see that now. I don't want to offend the Lord. Will he be offended by my presence in, in a pagan atmosphere like that? And I do, I feel like we should be careful in how far we extend this situation in our lives because there's always the heart out there that tries to use this thinking to get as close as they can to sin. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I absolutely love this golden window into the what I believe is the nature of God through the prophet here. Um, I, we're going to get into some different thoughts on that, but in Naaman's case... It seemed his heart was in the right place, and that fact allowed him to be a light in the presence of a pagan realm. Mm. That's how I'm reading it. There's okay. a few others I saw that did as well. But, Josh, I know that you you have some scholars that you saw that kind of had some different thoughts on it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, for me, I really love this story. It's one of those ones that I come back to in my mind a lot because, like you say, sometimes people can think that the Old Testament can be boring, but this story always gets me, especially because um, one of my friends has uh, mentioned it in passing about just his act of faith and and even the faith of his servants going, shouldn't you go do this, um, is, is basically him... Walking by faith, being obedient to God for healing, for salvation, and then the aftermath of that. And, um, and then coming to this verse of him saying, Listen, I have to go to this pagan temple and I have to kneel because my master's right next to me and he's expecting me to how does how does that get viewed in his eyes and I read a couple of different commentators um one said that um he felt like elisha's answer was really wise because it was like. This is a brand new Christian, and I can't put my trips or convictions on him. I'm going to have to just give him the answer that I feel like God is giving me, which is do what you need to do to walk in wisdom. And then um, as he grows in his faith, then he's going to have to make that decision on his own conviction of, well, maybe I shouldn't be in this position anymore, or maybe I need to make a stand showing that even if it requires my life, I'm not going to bow. Yeah, yeah. And then another one was just like, this is one of the most wise things I could ever see that someone would say, because it's like, you know what, Um, the Lord is with you, just go. And and it's one that I'm still wrestling with in my mind, but Mm -hmm. I lean more towards that answer than I do the first one, because again... Um, like you said, this golden window examining the heart of God through this answer. I feel like uh, what you're about to bring is probably um, pretty in line with that.
1: Well, I I think about it because Naaman, he's never going to attend a religious festival. He's never going to enter the temple to offer a sacrifice. He's never going to be circumcised from what we can tell. Uh, Everything that the Jews consider to be an avenue to righteousness, Naaman couldn't do. Yet Elisha says, you're good. And and I know I know that some do say, well, it doesn't come right out and say that. It's over-spiritualized. But I, I see some substance here in what happened with Naaman's belief. And I do, I, I think Jesus did too, because Jesus in Luke 4.27 mentions Naaman by name. And the scene that's set there is when he is in his hometown and... He didn't perform any miracles because of the lack of the faith. Mm-hmm. And l- let me just read um, Luke four 27. I'll actually go to 25 so you can get some context. But he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months. When a severe famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And in verse 27, he says, And there were many with leprosy in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Mm. And, the entire scene that led up to Jesus saying that about Naaman was the fact that Jesus' hometown had little faith, yet seemed to trust in their Jewish heritage and works to make them righteous. Hmm. And when Jesus dropped that bomb about Naaman, they were enraged because of the implications, it was a saved by faith type of thing. Yeah. Is what I read into this, and that that seems to be the exact implication that Jesus is making there, from what I read, mm-hmm. and um, a, a few scholars that I read as well. They're they're saying that was the whole point that Jesus mentioned. That was the fact that. Jesus was turning the Gentiles to to God's people and the Jews hated that. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is what God did even back then. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You think, you think you own this now. Let me point an example from the old Testament. And they wanted to stone Mm them. They were like, I hate that, you know? Yeah. And,
1: and I, I get the one thing I I did struggle with too, is because uh, when we become believers, there's a choice to be made. Mm. And I do wonder could name it and not have chosen not to go back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there is that in the back of my head. Uh, we don't. But and, and this is a gray area. This is what we would call a gray area. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But I, I think the fact that Jesus mentioned him by name uh, sways my opinion. But it is. It's something. It's one of those things. It's like there is a choice that we make when we're Christians and we don't go back to certain things. Yeah. So I get it.
0: Yeah. I wanted to bring this to light about how Naaman might have felt about the God of the Syrians or the... Arameans.
1: Okay, um, after this event,
0: yeah, after this event, because uh, we keep saying the name Rimon, which is the name that he's referring to the god whose temple he's going to have to go back in and kneel yeah. down in. Uh, it says the name Rimon appears in the name Tabariman, uh, the father of Ben Hadad the the first. In Aramean, the god's name is properly Roman, which is uh, a's versus an i and an o. And and that name means the thunderer, the storm god noted in Assyrian inscriptions. The name Rimon <laughs> actually means pomegranate, which uh, <laughs> may reflect a deliberate pun belittling the deity. Wow. So... I don't know if it's an author that changed it or if it's actually Naaman who starts referring to him as Mr. Pomegranate, but he's like, I'm not recognizing that fruit as a god in my life anymore.
1: Wow, that yeah. is, that's hilarious. Yeah,
0: so I don't know if he's like now acknowledging Elohim, you know, Yahweh as God, and then being like, that dude's a fruit, you know? (laughs) He's a fruit (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's Mr. (laughs) Pomegranate. (laughs) Wow. He's a few seeds short of a pomegranate. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's
1: really interesting.
0: Yeah, I thought that was fascinating because not only – I found that in like two study Bibles and three commentators that all made that note, and I just – I. Again, one it's of those, worth bringing up. I mean, yeah. we
1: we know Naaman was was a feisty fellow at times. Yeah, so it would make sense that he might could do such a thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's one of those seeds
0: that I've been chewing on all day. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> well done, thank
1: you. Yeah, and that's you know that that's a lot of the story of Naaman right there. We do have we do have the story going on um, here though, don't we, Josh? We have a few little aftermath things that happen. Yeah. Is it okay to just paraphrase it? I think so, because it doesn't pertain to the meat of of who Naaman was.
0: Yeah. So Elisha's servant named Gehazi kind of gets a little bit of dollar signs in his eyes. Mm -hmm. And he gets a little upset because he's like, we didn't get anything from that rich man who brought all this stuff. And he... he Concocts this lie And he runs after him And he's like "What?
1: Wait My master actually Needed some things Yeah yeah, And keep in mind This is after Elisha said Go in peace So he's already gone in peace Yeah And this guy comes Taggling behind He's like uh, About those gifts yeah. He turned down
0: And he goes Two young men From the company of the prophets Have just come to me From the hill country of Ephraim Please give them A talent of silver And two sets of clothing And, and Well he's
1: quick on his feet isn't Oh he? man
0: he, he, he had time to <laughs> Come up with this Or whatever Yeah. (laughs) So Naaman, he's all excited because he's like, I had all this stuff. I don't really want to take it back. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, here, take, you know, take more than you're asking for. Yeah. And uh, Gehazi took them and, you know, he came back. And of course, Elisha, he's pretty in tune with the Holy Spirit. And he goes, what, what happened? And Gehazi goes, like, I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What what do you mean? What are you talking about? I was right here the whole time.
1: Yeah. You're getting mad in your old age, Elisha. Yeah. I was right over there.
0: Yeah. Don't you see me? But I like what he says. I know I said I'll paraphrase, but I'm going to read this part. Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female servants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants for Forever. Then Gehazi went from Elijah's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, if we were going to do a profile on Gehazi, we would dive more into this. But it's just interesting that Naaman now in a spirit of generosity is like, I take it. I don't, you know, yeah. I
1: came to give it. Take it. Yeah, exactly. The character, the character of Naaman was, was closed back yes. in verse 19. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's an. And I at that last verse there, I, I wonder. He says that his descendants forever. Mm-hmm. I wonder if those are the very ones that were healed by Jesus when he came. Yeah, that line of people.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know. Oh, that'd be interesting.
1: You know, because I mean, usually when a curse is is on a people, it's there. Yeah, yeah, from and... the Old Testament.
0: This is funny because like it feels um, very, again, movieish because Gehazi shows up later on in Scripture as like a, a, a advisor to like a pagan king, I think. Okay. I, I'm pretty sh- – I, I didn't study on him, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. that. He's cool. Yeah,
0: he's in at least the courtroom of some king, whether it be um, a Jewish king or a pagan king. I know
1: – So he switched sides, it sounds like. It
0: sounds like, yeah. He's, I'll have to look into that. He's still trying to remain relevant. He's like, I, I did hang with Elisha. I yeah. Know, I know some things.
1: I could be considered a wise man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, that's naming, guys. Um, it's it's a fascinating story. Hmm. It really is. Uh, and I, I learned a lot from it. And it, what what's your application, Josh?
0: So much.
1: Right? There's, there <laughs> yeah. was a lot that went on. Yeah. Um, well,
0: I think I set this up, but I never really paid it off. One of the things that my friend who's a pastor uh, really uses this example, especially with young people, is just the, the thought of what— um, salvation by faith alone means or salvation by grace through faith and the servants really nail that home because he, he uses Batman as an example mm-hmm. because in the the Batman Begins, Christian Bale, it's like in order to receive this power you have to get the blue flower from the backside of the mountain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he climbs and you know of course he has to get that and it, it ends up being the whatever the substance of the fear and the spice or whatever but for them that's what they were saying to Naaman was like if he had said, "Go get the blue flower from the back of the mountain and you had to climb, wouldn't it be like the adventure that you were wanting to earn your earn your healing? Yeah, versus just saying, "By faith, go down to this Jordan River, dip seven times, and believe." yeah. And um it's just a perfect picture of salvation of walking in obedience, not necessarily anything that that we've done, but what Christ has already laid the pathway for us in order yeah. to receive it.
1: And I think that that plays into that idea that he brought nothing to the table. He would never go to the temple to sacrifice. Yes. He would never do all that, yet God considered him clean. Exactly. Yeah. So I love yeah. that. I love that.
0: Yeah. And it's really wild to think of, but I, I also believe that leprosy is a pretty um, spot on illustration for sin Yeah. because it's one of those things that it, it works from the inside out. And a lot of times at first, when you first get leprosy, you can't actually see it. Yeah. And that's exactly what sin is. It's it's mostly inward. Mm-hmm. Rarely, and, and on some occasions, our sin's going to be pretty evident, but yeah. most of the time it's what's happening inside. And then it's also like um, one commentator said, uh, the word loathsome, because it's um, it gives you a specific smell uh yeah. it starts to make your voice raspy you know your hair starts to fall out it's just very disease like um it also uh it separates you from people yeah you know we think social distancing was bad Mm -hmm. this was one of those things where um i know for at least in jesus time they had leper colonies where if somebody started to come near them they were supposed to cover their face and yell unclean unclean to keep people from coming near them so that way that um that infectious disease didn't didn't spread yeah another thing was it it had no cure Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you know that's what sin was it had no cure because um Oh my gosh, I think it's a Christian rapper who's like, I was born in sin and now here I am just breathing to death, you know? <laughs> and, and I always was like, whoa, what a line. Yeah. But I mean, because the that's what he was saying was without Jesus, we had no hope and we were stuck in our sin and dead in our trespasses. Yeah. And um, that was the only way for his salvation was to find the God that could heal and restore and remove that sin and and that's what that's why this old testament story is such a perfect picture of a new testament principle of healing and salvation
1: yeah I've got to say that's the number one application yeah. and, and take away from the story. Um, but as you're talking, since that was mine as well, I'm going to <laughs> highlight. <laughs> I'm going to highlight one other spot that I I thought was um, something to take away from too was the fact that when he did approach Elisha and. He thought it was going to be this this grandeur and you know, this huge scene where he was going to get healed and it was going to look a certain way to him. I think a lot of times we as Christians, we can, we can have pictures of what our life should look like and what we expect it to look like in the future. And you said it at the beginning of the episode that... He just needed healing, mm-hmm. and at the end, healing looked a lot different than he thought it would look. Yes, and I think that's an important thing that we can all take away from the story too: is is the fact that, uh, regardless of how we think things should look, the end result is going to be just as joyful, if not uh, more joyful, than you could ever imagine. Yeah, but it might not get there the way you thought it would. Yeah. So I I thought uh, that was something good to pull away as well.
0: Now that's neat. Is that. God does subvert our expectations, but often in a way that kind of blows our minds. Yeah.
1: And sometimes at first, it's just like, it, it almost feels like a punishment or yes, something. Yeah. But when you get to the other end, you're like, you know, I'm, I have, I think, probably more joy now than whatever mm-hmm. I imagined.
0: Yeah. But it also, in my finite mind, I'm like, you were supposed to do this.
1: Yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. And, All
0: of ours. And God's like, no, that's not how I work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great thing to bring up.
1: Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed it. That was Naaman, and uh, what a character.
0: Yes, yeah. And if there's anything in his character that we missed, or if you do want a weird in the word about the mules of dirt, (laughs) it's
1: just fun to say. Yeah, please. (laughs) Reach out to us. (laughs) Yes. I'm getting tired, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking a language. (laughs) <laughs> we we will bring this topic. <laughs> oh, we we hope you love our goofiness at the end of these episodes. Oh, yes. We always slur all sorts of randomness out.
0: It's kind of late at night on usually an evening when we're recording this, so yeah, we we tend to be a little bit on the tired side, a little loopy. Yeah.
1: But we really do. We, we love you guys tuning in. Um, please reach out to us, like Josh said, if you have any questions, if you have um, things you want to discuss or want us to discuss, whatever. Future profile suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can do that by contacting us um, at... Connect at beasnakebird.com. Yeah, through email. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, I'm tired. And, uh, <laughs> or, or Facebook. Yeah. Send us a message
0: on Facebook and we will get back to you as quickly as possible. But we'd love to hear from you because this is the Snakebird community.
1: That's right, guys. And remember, if if you find it in your heart, a, uh, a five star rating and comment goes a long way for the podcast. Yeah. And subscribe. That'd be awesome. It would.
0: Yeah. So always remember, snakebirds, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a
1: better time to follow the words of Jesus and and be a snakebird.
0: Welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us... As we explore the mysteries of God. The realm of... Oh, crap. (laughs)
1: Let's try that again. I was like, What? We know Naaman to have a, a feisty hair in his body. So <laughs> that, that came out wrong. Uh, Never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus and walk by faith through grace. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>